crazy, isn't it? But Tokyo, the Olympics and Japanese toilets all already seem a very, very, very long time ago. Yeah, it moves on quick, doesn't it? Week after, just keeps rolling. Well, tennis never stops. And I'm surrounded by people working in sports that tend to have seasons. Yes. Regulated seasons. Off seasons. Off seasons. (laughs) And... But tennis never stops. And I remember talking to someone about it and I said, what, it, and they said, what about cricket? I said, well, there's a couple of weeks. There's a, it, it just doesn't, it's incessant. I mean, Kasper Ruud was winning title after title after title during the Tokyo Olympics. 750 points he picked up. Stop. New career high, world number 12. Absolutely extraordinary. Three titles in three weeks for Kasper Ruud, making the, the most of it quite extraordinary. So yeah, there are yeah multiple high level events on um, most weeks, really. It doesn't. Can I just say a belated thank you to some of our listeners who got in touch about Japanese toilets? Um, just to, <laughs> just to offer first, some help. Just to, firstly, tell me that you can download an app that translates all the symbols. Oh, okay. So you hold it over your toilet and it tells you. And then another listener basically said, This is the only symbol you need. It means off. <laughs> so as long as you know whatever toilet wherever you are in Tokyo as long as you see that symbol because you know you'd I went to the toilet someone you sit down and suddenly there's bird song which is nice but slightly disconcerting another toilet I sit on and it's suddenly very hot very quickly you know it's a it's a very very unique experience in all these different toilets so I thank you to our listeners who um saved me I, I look I stayed away from it at the end I couldn't I couldn't keep pressing buttons you know, I was in a confined space with a sort of slightly aggressive at times toilet. So I just used it as a toilet was meant to be used. <laughs> Fair enough. I thought that was the simplest thing. But it's, I have to say, I was thinking back. What did you think of what you saw of the, the tennis event at Tokyo? What did you take away from it, if anything? Uh, well, I mean, I thought it was a, a fantastic event. I think it was a really great tournament, high level of tennis, like just very enjoyable I don't know if I really took anything away from it I suppose I think it's always good to sort of reinforce how much it means to the players Um, I have had the argument that we were having on the pod uh, about tennis being in the Olympics a number of times through through the Olympics and uh, whilst I will I always automatically defend tennis doesn't matter what the situation is (laughs) just do (laughs) Um, it was slightly difficult to (laughs) (laughs) argue it in the end which was kind of fair enough but um yeah no I thought it was I thought it was a fantastic uh a fantastic event I mean I the one takeaway for me is Belinda Bencic yeah yeah I mean that was stunning wasn't it to to be a double medalist at the Olympics and and she's been around for so long I think that's the other thing I was talking to people there because the wonderful thing for me was this sort of cauldron of commentators that I was part of nearly 80 of them different sports different backgrounds and they would be interested in your sport and you'd be interested in their sport and you'd be telling them about the the characters and the personalities and and I was learning about different sports and for the likes of Belinda Bentic it was saying look she's been around for a long long time you know she was she's back in the top 10 as as a teenager she had some horrible injuries she's fought her way back and there's a there's not well, maybe there is behind every athlete there's a wonderful tale of how they got there and how they worked and what they've been through but yeah I, I'm I'm like you not everyone I speak to was but I'm like you I was very happy for for Belinda Bencic how she came through yeah I thought it was great and how about you what was it like being there all in all what are your reflections 
It was it it was very special, slightly weird. I guess slightly weird because there were no people and there were quite a lot of restrictions. So it wasn't. It was my first Olympics that I've that I've worked on, and it was yeah. There were an awful lot of restrictions, and and speaking to people who was like their eighth, ninth Olympics, and it's not the same as they've experienced. But it was wonderful to be in Tokyo with the Olympics being held. I was able to go to the Ariaki Tennis Park and. That's fabulous. It it was weird because it was empty. Again, it was empty. There was no one there. You're just walking around and in you go and suddenly you're on the court and I'm standing on the middle of the Olympic tennis court. A little bit of a tourist. I did take some selfies, some pictures with the Olympic rings. But it gave you a feel. It gave you a feel for the conditions. And Djokovic fought hard to move the start time from 11 a.m. local to 3 p.m. And you can see why because I was actually there at 11 a.m. local time. It was so hot. Mm. I wasn't... I wasn't doing anything and the sweat was pouring off me. I know I'm not a trained athlete, but it was, that was absolutely brutal. And I, and I can see why the players were suffering. And, but to be honest, at three o'clock, it wasn't actually, it wasn't actually that much better, but it was, it was wonderful to go down there and see the arena and the stadium. And again, it was a shame it couldn't be full of people, but we know the reasons why. In terms of an event, there were a few people that didn't go for various reasons, but I think one of the happiest I'm happiest for Pablo Carreño Busta, you'll be delighted to know, because of because of what that bronze medal meant to him. Yeah. And not that these medals don't mean a lot, but, but he was genuinely in disbelief. He, Sasha Zverev played so well to beat Novak Djokovic and come through and get gold. And then there was silver for Karen Hashanov. And I know he's continued winning starting in Toronto and continued that form. And, you know, you could talk about all the medalists and, Alina Svitolina, she's such a hard worker and has been for so many years. So, so wonderful for her to get Ukraine's first ever tennis medal. And Marketa Vondrusheva, who's recently got engaged off the back of this, this dream silver run when she wasn't even meant to be in the Olympics. She used her protected ranking to get into the Czech team to get there. And then there's the, the Brazilian doubles pair who won bronze. And then there's Andre Rublev and Anastasia Pavachenko for gold in the mix. So you could go on and on and you're happy for them, but... I think Pablo Crane Busta, I mean, he just couldn't believe it, could he? I mean, the, the, the victory over Novak Djokovic and to get that bronze medal was, it just meant everything to him. There's something about the Spanish lot, isn't there, when they're playing for Spain? They're, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that it's it's not similar for all other teams, but it just seems to to mean an extraordinary amount to the Spanish team. The way that they are so supportive of each other, you know, the way that they dominated Davis Cup when it was in Madrid. But it, I mean, they're obviously all very, very good. But for me, there's always been something about watching that Spanish team. They come together as if they are always a team. And in tennis, it's so incredibly difficult. And I know Karina Buster wasn't playing as part of a team, although he was sort of part of the Spanish team. You know what I mean? It wasn't Davis Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was still playing on his own. But there's just something about the Spanish flag and representing Spain. I think it is such a huge, huge thing. And as I say, they they really have that in common. There's no issue gelling whatsoever. They just come together with ease like they are a team all the time, as we see in team sports. It's such a difficult part of tennis. You know, some of the strongest... Um, players we have can struggle when it when it comes to, to grouping together it can be quite disconnected it's really really tough just to try and throw everybody together once or twice a year and uh but they have just never ever had an issue all of them play so much better when they're playing for spain than they do otherwise 
you know the the emotions that you see from them or yeah I, I don't know do, do you know what I mean or do you think I'm being a bit unfair on everybody else but there's just something it's, it's, it's funny isn't it because Naomi Osaka said look we we play with a flag on our chest effectively every time we step out as a tennis player and I get that because Naomi Osaka is always representing Japan and Pablo Corinna is always representing Spain but there's something about them being there as a team we saw Alina Vesnina was documenting Russia's tennis trip to Tokyo and the fact they're all together and they might not always all be together because you know more than anyone tennis is a very individual sport so Pablo Corinna might be representing Spain but he's there on his own with his team but at the Olympics yeah they're playing under the flag and it means it I think it it means so much to all of them is it the pinnacle of tennis as we've discussed no but then I don't know you say to Belinda Bencic now would you swap that gold medal for Wimbledon title what did she say well that I think that's pretty pretty difficult that that sort of question to be honest but but, but it, it shows therefore that the Olympics is not necessarily or isn't the pinnacle of tennis as a sport because that's a difficult decision to make whereas in some sports they'd say don't be stupid Olympic medal this is this is what I've dreamed and, and what I've worked for but I think you're absolutely right in the Olympics and in the Spanish.com yeah there is something you could look at a lot of the the countries like that, seeing the support for all of them. But there is something there is something about the Spanish players when they come together under the Spanish flag. I mean, I, remember, I know it was in Madrid, but thinking back to the Davis Cup, what, two years ago now due to COVID last year, there is just something about when they come together. And yeah, just it's just the level of passion. For me, it feels like it is the biggest thing for them. Yeah. Yeah, like it just it does, and I and I include Rafa in that extraordinarily, even with everything that he's achieved. Uh, whereas with everybody else, it feels like yeah, this is this is great, and they love it, and they're enjoying it. But I don't, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Maybe I'm being harsh on everybody else, but well, no, I, I, that's just how I've always felt. I, like I must agree with you because it was one of my standouts was his reaction and what it meant to him and his face and holding that medal. And as I say, not to say that the medals didn't mean anything to the other people, but poor old Aslan Karatsev. I mean, you've got to think, he maybe inside he's smiling, but everything that's happened to him this year, and now he's an Olympic silver medalist, but he still looks as if the world's about to end. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just his thing, isn't it? <laughs> Even, I always remember we were watching the, the pictures afterwards because we did the medal ceremony after the mixed doubles final, and everyone's getting together and taking the photos, and you could just see him sort of standing at the back looking really forlorn, and I know it wasn't the medal he went out to win that day, and he had said that he had actually approached Alina Vesnina at the start of the year, saying it was all about the Olympics, and that's really what he wanted to focus on, and at that moment, it wasn't the medal that he wanted, but it's just, he just, he looks so sad. And you think, and, and Alina Vesnina said, look, he's quite a quiet guy. He's not that emotional, keeps things to himself. But you just say, come on, Aslan. I mean, if someone had said to you this time last year, when you were nowhere near being part of an Olympics team, that your 2021 was going to pan out as it has, that surely would have been enough to make him smile, Right. Yeah, but he seems to have known that it was going to pan out like this. He seems to have just been like, yeah, that's it. I'm good now. <laughs> he still just... hasn't got a clothing sponsor. Now, I remember hearing talk that his agent was holding out for as long as possible to see how high his charge could go. But I'm starting to think, should they just not go for the deal now? Now, I'm not saying he's not going to go and win the US Open. Well, he's not going to go and win the US Open. But you... mm. <laughs> like, OK, no, he's not. Why are you making that noise? He's not. Is he? No, no, I'm not. I agree with okay, you. Okay, good. I don't so, know. I'm, I'm there. Okay, so surely now the agent's got to step in and say, "We've had you're now an Olympic medalist as well. 
let's get yourself signed up for a clothing. What are they waiting for? Yeah, I think so. I think now's a good time. Definitely. At the peak. And I'm thinking that for player of the year on, and I know we've still got tournaments to come. I'm going to say, this is very, very handing out awards already. Okay, then answer me this. Who on the WTA side, with what's left to possibly win, though I think I might know your answer on this, would do better than Barbora Krejcikova has already done to this point? It's tough. It's a tough ask. So I think would it's it a be fair shout? So okay, say Serena Williams, and I I don't think she will, but she's pulled out of Cincinnati now. She wins the US Open. She's tied the record. Mm. Would that automatically make her Player of the Year because of what she's no. equaled and what she's come through and done? Or no. would so who would Player of the Year is who's had the best year? Yeah, but who's if, played. If, but if, if if Serena Williams has equaled this long-standing record, then you could say that's a pretty damn good year, right? Well, yeah, but it'd just be one tournament. Still a very good year. <laughs> uh, so um, who, who would... So I would award it to Barbora Krejcikova now. I, I right just now. You I think Regardless of what happens the rest of the year. Yeah, I can't... Look, Belinda Bencic, what she did in the Olympics was, was fantastic. Yeah. You can, can you make, you can make cases for other players, but I just think, look, she comes and wins the Roland Garros singles when at Roland Garros in October, she was what outside the world's top hundred or just inside the world's top hundred. She suddenly Mm -hmm. wins the title. She wins the doubles title, the same tournament. She goes back to being number one in doubles. Then she comes through to, oh, she then wins the title after that. She's not stopped. She keeps on going. She then wins gold in the doubles in the Olympics. I mean, it's, it's absolutely for me, it's absolutely out. When when you think of where she was a year ago, especially not so much in doubles, of course, but on the singles, I think it's how she's transformed herself to be a bona fide, top class, quality, world class singles player. I don't know. I, I just don't think anyone with what's left in the year could top it. Yeah, I can see I can see your argument. It has been uh, quite a, a breakthrough it's year. It's been amazing. It has been amazing, but I would probably, at the moment, at the moment, would I give it, at the moment, I probably would give it to Barty. What? Yeah, I know. Killer. Sorry. Okay. okay. Tell me why. She's maintained the world number one ranking for such a long time. She is a Wimbledon champion. Um, she has won plenty of matches and there's still the rest of the year to come. And she's a bronze medalist at the Olympics because Novak Djokovic pulled out of his mixed doubles. Well, who's to say they wouldn't have won that match anyway? No, no, that, that's Especially true. with just... the mood he was in. Yes. I, I, yeah. Mm. Right. Okay. So look, people listening. It's playing Karenia Busta. That's if, what does it. If, if <laughs> he got defaulted to... against the US Open. Oh, it, it, you know, that didn't even register in my mind. Of, it, it's that's him it. again. It's PCB. And now I was, when I was watching it, I was rewinding back to the US Open because that's where, because PCB was playing great. There's oh, something about playing Karenia Busta some... that Djokovic clearly hates because wow. he was very antsy then and obviously got defaulted well, and then once again in the bronze medal match my word you can't get under pcb skin he, he same facial expression he can get under yours yes, apparently though apparently he's one he, i did can you believe i didn't relate the two but that yeah. is that is a thing about and i, I want to talk about you a bit it, people listening let us know who you think at this stage if you had to give the award now is it barty 
or Krejcikova. Wait, no, I know who you're going for, but if people listening, <laughs> um, or maybe throw someone else into the mix. But I think that's um, Djokovic. Do you do you think he got an unfair amount of stick? for the way his Olympic campaign ultimately ended? Do you think it was justified? Do you, where do you, because I find myself with a lot more sympathy than I thought I would have for him at the Olympics. Wait, what sort of stick? He got a lot of stick because of the, the racket throwing at the end of PCB getting under his skin and the way he acted towards the end and the clubbing of the racket into well, the net. As we've going, established, that's clearly PCB's fault. That's PCB's fault, <laughs> a little bit. And then withdrawing from the mixed doubles. A lot of people, it, a shoulder injury was cited, but a lot of people were saying, well, hang on, that's not essentially that fair, although he looked completely beaten at the end of the singles. So there were a few people giving a little bit of stick again about should a, a role model, should a world number one act like we know he can act and which we saw a little bit of at the Olympics as the Golden Slam was was disappearing? Well, look, I mean, realistically, it's probably his only chance to do the Golden Slam. Um, I mean, what, we've got a few years, but with the players on the rise, things going to be even more difficult for him. Um, yeah, it was on. He desperately wanted it. It didn't work out. And I think he was pretty devastated. But, um, you know, look, he, he didn't he didn't take it well. Um, but I think that's what makes him as successful as he is. You know, you've got to absolutely hate losing. You've got to be that sort of devastated if you want to try and achieve these things. And look, I mean, he's going into the US Open as the favourite. I think the chances are he's going to, you know, win the Grand Slam. Okay, the Golden Slam was out of reach, but we always sort of knew that was the one... Well, after he won the French, that was the one question mark because he had basically had two question marks in the year. It was French Open, which he managed to deal with incredibly well. Uh, and then it was uh, the Olympics because it's best of three sets. And it's just... He is just less dominant in best of three sets than he is in best of five. He hasn't won a Masters title this year. You know, he's won all the slams, but he that hasn't won a weird. Masters. What if he wins yeah. the calendar slam and hasn't won a Masters? Well, he's not playing since he, no, so he's going to have out. Indian Wells and Paris left, I believe. I hope I'm not missing anything else, because <laughs> he's not playing in Canada, and no one's playing, that's this week. And no one's playing Shanghai. <laughs> yes. Shanghai's done, yeah, yes. that's gone. That was that, that was announced the other day. Um, and he's a bit too old for the next gen, so it'll be the so, tour finals, Paris, and yeah, gosh, Indian Wells. Yeah, that's it. So I think... Um, yeah, I, I sort of agree. I, I don't really think he deserves stick. Like, of course, his behaviour wasn't brilliant. <laughs> it was definitely not great. And I, I don't know how on earth he managed to not get a code violation for lobbing his racket into the stadium. That was quite extraordinary. Um, but, yeah, he lost it. That's, yeah, there I you just, go. I just can't imagine the pressure that partially he put himself under because he said, look, I'm coming here and I'm coming here for gold. And he was all around the Olympic village and taking photos. I think he was the most selfied person, if that's even a thing. Is that right? Right mm. way of saying it? I think he was no. the most selfied person, wasn't he? Everything, you looked on Instagram, all athletes were popping up with their arms sort of around Djokovic going, yay. And he was playing mixed doubles and that was great and it was all wonderful and he was playing so well. The heat... Djokovic and Medvedev are two fellas that really don't like 
the heat. I mean, they struggle in these conditions. I mean, but they struggle more than most. The point where Medvedev is just, you know, he was like, what if I die out here? <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> all right, then. He's like, I probably won't. But what if I do? Who's going to take the blame for that? But they got the time change. Things went a little bit later. But I can't imagine the pressure that Djokovic is under because as much meditating and stuff that he does, he's quite a tightly wound individual. And it's all about the records. And only Steffi Graf has ever done the, the golden calendar year slam. It's a it's a massive thing. You don't get that many opportunities to do it. He'd been playing so well up to that point. But then, as, as we said, we said from the start, as you said there, that the three sets, it's it's a bit of a level. And you get someone like Sasha Zverev, who no one had spoken about during the tournament. He was just quietly going about his business. He's so good on this three-set format. He's When he's playing like he was playing but I can't imagine Djokovic to have lost that match and then had to regroup for a bronze medal match that I imagine he never not one part of him ever believed that he would be contesting I mean look the bronze medal match is rough isn't it third fourth playoffs in any sport it's not for Pablo Correa Busta who probably thought (laughs) but no but in a sense he probably thought this is I don't know what his expectations were but gosh I've got the opportunity to leave with a medal but for Djokovic he's like I don't want this medal the, the one I went for, the one I truly believed, like the US Open when he defaulted himself, when he got himself defaulted, that that was his title. This was his gold medal. I, I, it must be so hard. Yeah, it is. And he, he couldn't regroup. He couldn't regroup for that match. And then, you know, he's got a partner in Nina Stojanovic, who it's the biggest match of her career. And he was unable to, to play because he was just that devastated. and But I just think that if you want these players to be achieving at this level, then that's sort of what comes with it. Sometimes they fall apart. been watching Sitsipas play this week. He was brilliant last night in his match. But, you know, he took that loss at the French Open. We know he is a horrible loser. He devastated, doesn't cover it. I mean, just... It just absolutely shattered as and broken as a person. Remember after the Stan Wawrinka match at Roland Garros a few years ago, and then after that sort of final, being two sets up, playing the manner that he was, and then to lose it um, when he probably j- it just crept into his mind, oh, I might win this because we were all thinking, oh, we might win this <laughs> when he was playing so well, and then for it to be well for it to pan out the way that it panned out and he hasn't been playing very well since then he's been struggling it looks like he's sort of getting things back on track now but it takes the loss hard you can't just keep bouncing back week after week tennis players are incredibly good at bouncing back after losses because almost every player loses every week only one person in the tournament doesn't lose everybody else loses so you you look at Wimbledon you've got 256 players across the men's and women's draw only two people are walking away from that singles tournament without losing Everybody else has to take a loss on the chin, recover, and then regroup for the next tournament. It is absolutely brutal. There's no drawing. It's every single week. Um, You know, if you win two titles in a year, you're doing unbelievably well. Um, Players just lose all the time. And it's something that I think a lot of young players don't realise, that you're going to do a lot of losing as part of being really good. Um, I remember... This is something that I always pull out. I mean, it was years ago, but Monfils, when he was in the top 10, had been in the top 10 for ages. I don't know, he was ranked like six or seven or whatever he was at the time. And we used to get a British tennis magazine and it used to have the rankings in it and some little facts about each player. And it would come out every month. And uh, you had Monfils and it used to have last title. And his, he was in the top 10 for the entire time, but his last title, I think, was three years before that date. 
And you think that means that every single week, the world number seven or whatever he is, has played for three years, he's lost. That's frightening when you think of it like that. But that's it. But, but so losing is something that tennis players are really good at. But the difference between the top ones, and this is what excites me so much about Sitsipas and has done for a long time, is that they can't quite cope with losing. <laughs> it is that awful for them. They absolutely hate it. Um, and that means to me that he is going to you know, drive to the top because similar to Djokovic, he just, he just completely crumbled after he lost that match. So it's actually... Not, it's not good to see it, but from seeing how he reacted, and I think it was afterwards that Patrick Moratoglu, speaking to us on the TV show on, on Roland Garros, said, "I like that reaction." It, pretty much what you're saying, saying, "I like that reaction." I like to see him so upset, not because he was upset, but it it tells me he's not happy. So you've got so again, you've got Pablo Carreño who is completely over the moon with his bronze medal, and so he should be. It's an amazing achievement. You've probably got Djokovic thinking, God, it's just it's the last thing in the world I want. And then there's Tsitsipas, who could have been absolutely delighted to have reached the final at Roland Garros, played as well as he did, despite having that lead, and still being there as the runner-up. But Patrick Moratoglu said, I love that reaction, because it tells me he wants more, and he wants to win, and he wants to be the best. Yeah, exactly. And uh, as much as it's not great to see it, and it's not... Um, you know, it's not something you can sort of support. It is just part of the deal. If you want the win, the victory to mean that much, then it's going to hurt that much um, on on the other side of it. And as I say, like he just couldn't deal with it. He totally crumbled. Were you a good loser? Are you a good loser? Yeah, that's why, that's why I wasn't better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I was far too philosophical when I when I lost. That that's that's it. I mean, no, I, I mean, no one likes losing. I was more scared of winning, to be honest. So I had all sorts of issues going on. Scared of winning is in the final point to win, or when you won, what you face next. Yeah, exactly. It was everything that would come with it, like what really? what what came with sort of any impending success. Wow, it could have been thing. like amazing sponsorship deals, or luxury cars, yeah. or holidays, or how can mm. you be scared of that? <laughs> <laughs> I would run to, I would run towards that and embrace it. <laughs> but no, I think um with uh you know when you're working towards something like that um you know you need a lot of things to fall into place on top of the incredible work that Djokovic has done through his career. I mean that is obviously the main part, but everything had sort of fallen into place and the opportunity presented itself for a golden slam. I mean, look, if the Olympics had been last year, wouldn't have had the chance, would he? So they they were supposed to be last year. So there was a little bit of luck and um, it looked like he had a a, a great chance of doing it, but best of three, it it is a little more difficult for him to shut out these players knocking on the door, the Zverevs, the Sitsipasses and and those top 10, top five players. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how it panned out. So yeah, I, I, I sort of kind of agree with you. Like it's not great and it's never really that fun to watch. Um, but, you know, it's just sort of part of the deal. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Now, you have to be my eyes and ears through the next couple of weeks because I'm, after leaving Tokyo with an awful lot of Pokemon, that can I say the twins are absolutely delighted with my, my Amazon Japan deliveries to my hotel as we couldn't sort of roam freely. Went down very well. Um, nice. I'm happy to say, um, but I'm now taking a little bit of time with the, fa- I'm keeping an eye on things, but just taking a little bit of time with the family that I'm back in for the Paralympic tennis event and, and the US Open. So you're my eyes and ears for Rogers Cup in Toronto, then Cincinnati. Now I've done my predictions. I've still done my predictions for yeah. Toronto. And I was just trying to think, I can't for life me think the same, but I've gone for six past to win. So is that looking good? Is and then and while you answer that, I'll find out who else I've gone for. Yes, it is looking good. Oh, lovely, good. excellent, absolutely. Okay. Since Pass has been, well, he's been fantastic. I tell you what, last night did the match between Sits Pass and Hugo Ambert, and Sits Pass has looked absolutely brilliant. But I tell you what, I just. I was watching that match going, I bloody love Umber. He is so great. <laughs> You've always loved him, haven't you? Of course. He's so great. Um, it was such a fun match. Uh, if you have any moments where you want to dive into the tennis world, the only thing you need to do is to watch their second set tie break. It was <laughs> epic beyond belief. Um, yeah, absolutely incredible. Such a fun match. But yes, it's past. He's locking in again. He's had a little bit of a dip post French Open, but he's now the world number three. He's broken so much new ground this year. He's going to keep going. He will be number one in the world at some point. I have absolutely no doubt. He will be winning Grand Slams. He He looks great. Um, he took that loss at the French Open very hard, um, but he's going to sort it out now. So I've also gone for... Did you do the predictions? Do you do the predictions anymore or have you not done the predictions? I did do the predictions, oh. yeah, but I've, I've lost one at the first hurdle. Who have you lost? Who'd you go for? Oh, it was an error of picking Kyrgios, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, you didn't. Now, now, I think everyone will agree with us. Who are the two players you do not pick in predictions competitions? Because largely, and I know one of them did come good at one Masters event, but largely they don't come good. Actually, let me. I'm going to put three in there. Three that. Wait, what? Three, three well, players. Curious. Yeah, two more that just as much as they look tempting, don't do it because you will be disappointed more often than not. Who are the I don't other? know, but I bet one of them is my other picks. <laughs> okay, one of them. One of them's Fabio Fanini. Monte Carlo oh, yeah. aside, as excited yeah. as you will get by Fanini, he will let you down. <laughs> he will let you down. And the other one is Nishikori. Ah uh, no! What you? He did really well in Tokyo. Yeah, let, what more do you want him to do? He get a medal. Get a medal. He played Djokovic. What more do you want him to do? Win. If he'd been in the other half, maybe win. Um, I just, I, I love Nishikori, and I know he won, didn't he? He has won his first round match, but just what to go and win a Masters? Would you put him in your in your picks to win a Masters? Uh no. There we go. See. Right, so you so you've lost Kira. So my other two, and one of them I was looking for, and I'm sure I saw him in the draw when the draw came out, but I'm sure he's not in the draw anymore. So see, this is what Nadal. happens. No, this no. is this is what no, because I've gone sits pass to win. See, our, oh, our right, predictions right. Yep. you're gonna have one. What is it? One to Good nine. Choice. One like ten to sixteen or something like that, and uh-huh. then the rest of the pack. Uh, this is what happens when I go away on holiday. It all goes to pot. And I can't remember anything. So I've also got Sinner. Is he still in? Yes. There we go. Has he played yet? He's playing very soon. Okay, so by the time people listen to this, he might be, oh, I'm going still in. Okay, and Uh the third one, I've got Corder. Is he in? Yes, he won his first match. Did he? 
Excellent. I think so. All right. I might then. be making that up. There's <laughs> no, quite a lot going no, you, on. There's a lot you, of matches. You can't make it up because you, you're there and you're working. And you're, although with the COVID and working remotely, what, what what are your hours looking like for the next? Well, I'm doing the night sessions. So we are oh. thoroughly uh, thoroughly into the night. So, yeah, unfortunately, we can't be on site um, through this year for a lot of the big events. Um, and that uh, goes for a lot of bit different people that we work for. So... Um, yeah, a little bit frustrating with that, but uh, oh, I've had fantastic night sessions, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I mean, sits pass Umber, and I tell you, there's one player that I'm very excited about, and I nearly picked him um, uh, as my unseeded player. Oh. It's time to get excited about him. I've been excited about no, him for three years lost. now. The one, no, he's, he lost. No, he's, he's he lost. Still play. He no, lost. He won. The, no, the one that you like lost. <laughs> Didn't he? He lost. <laughs> I, I like so many players. One, I don't know who you're talking about. The one you like lost. I don't know who you're talking Spanish. about. Spanish. Looks like he's PCB. in the. Looks like he's in the Karate Kid. Oh, Davidovich Vikina <laughs> lost. Yes. No. Okay. No, it's right. not. It's who, not quite time. Who no, are you getting wait, excited about now? Davidovich Vikina. Yes. It's not quite time oh. to get excited about him oh. just yet. Okay. We will be in the future. Right. Okay. It's going to happen. But so, just right now, just so let him settle. He's settling into life, ranked where he is. He's Did you know used to being a tour player. he set up an adoption agency for stray dogs that have been abandoned in Spain? Exactly. Get excited about this guy. Okay. He's fabulous. Um, <laughs> karate kid. It's he a does. Hairstyle, he looks, no, it? he looks like the baddie. I don't know his name. There's the blonde guy. Not not the, the hairstyle. Yeah. Yeah. Not 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 the yeah. not the dark haired. I don't know their names. But the blonde baddie and karate kid. He looks like. Sorry. Yeah. Give so, him give him a year, maybe two, and we can start getting excited about him. Okay. Now, somebody else that I got very excited about three years ago. Three and years ago. Then I then I and I remember I kept picking him no, in my picks. No, 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 <laughs> not no. No. Is he really tall? <laughs> Is he really, 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 really tall? Yes. It's no, he's no ready. No, I'm no. Telling no, you he's stop ready, it. people. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, yeah. I'm going to stop talking to you then. I'm going to start talking to the listeners. Okay, right. Tell People, it, no. Riley O'Pelka. Oh, come on. I'm telling come you. On. No, no, no. You don't understand. No. I did, I did his match last night. I've right. done his matches the last two nights. Okay. did a long one, done a short one. So you're just sucked oh. in, but it's the late nights no. and the, no. you're just a little overcome with tiredness. He is so good oh he is so good is john isner is in the top 10 for such a long time it took him a while for his game to settle and but he's he's got so much more and uh, I, I mean i love john as well i'm a big fan of the big servers and i enjoy commentating on them i enjoy watching them i think you've got to slightly change mentality when you're watching their matches but when you can get on board and you embrace it it's so much fun opelka unbelievable right now i am so pumped about him because it's just taken a couple of years because it takes a while for this sort of game style to settle because there's so much of it that goes into those moments those really really tight crucial moments they lose heartbreakers all the time and that comes with experience playing the big moments in matches and if you're opelka big moments happen every single time you play because you're playing tie breaks all the time and your match points up and you're losing a heartbreaker you've got to respond they have a different mentality to focus on but my word I'm such a big fan and uh, he was amazing against Kyrgios that was a fantastic match really loved it Kyrgios tried his absolute best he did throw a bit of a wobbly but you know that is part of him trying his best, I guess. And uh, and I thought Opelka was great. Can and then he... Opelka just absolutely dismissed Dimitrov last night. How? Yeah, but you're not giving me people he's beaten that I'm like, wow, that's amazing. No, but you know, he's, he's I... going to. He's going to. 
can he how, can he be better than John Isner? If I'm I'm I'm, I'm comparing not necessarily yes. like for like because he does have more to his game, but you, how much better can he be, and how far can Apelka go? Do you believe? Uh, yes, he absolutely can be a top ten player. That's 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 what I think. Right. That's you have it. you have liked Apelka for a while, haven't you? Ah, oh, since I first saw him sliding into a drop shot. <laughs> few years ago and I was like who the hell is this guy when he plays when he's in the rally or he's returning you forget that he's six foot eleven he moves that well around the court his backhand is so good because with with Isner he's got quite a lopsided game obviously the serve and then he's got this massive forehand and everything else is sort of damage limitations even though he's done it to a very high level and he has been brilliant um it is very centered around that Opelka he defends he throws in these beautiful little short backhand slices he chases down drop shots his backhand is so so solid I mean he is for me look I don't think he's gonna be number one in the world but I'm just saying that I think he's he's nearly he's nearly ready to go he's nearly ready to pop I mean he's like he's ranked 30 and he hasn't even hit his stride yet you mentioned Nadal who would have been in the draw but has pulled out I, I don't have I maybe I maybe I've said this a lot, but I fear, and Djokovic might go and win the U.S. Open, but I fear for the first time the old fellas are on their way out. I don't think I've ever said yeah. it before and meant it. I, I I'm even putting Djokovic in on that too. I and I look, I still think over the best of five sets, he is the best in the world and the one to beat. But I, I don't know. I, I I I feel like I'm saying it for the first time and sort of actually believing it. Yeah, I think. I mean, look, the Nadal situation is not good, unfortunately. Um, the foot uh, was a huge problem. He, he rested it. He didn't play. He didn't pick up a racket for 20 days. Uh, and then he came back very, very slowly. Um, you know, I was working on his matches in Washington. And, it, I mean, the first round, I mean, he was limping pretty much through really? that match. He was grimacing wow. after... He, and, you know, Nadal is desperately trying to not show at all that he's struggling. No, he, he was he in a lot like of pain. Him. He managed to come through that. I don't know how. Um, but he ma- I didn't even know how he was still playing. He came and played his second match. He looked much better. He looked like his foot was much better. But after that first match, it's a bit concerning what he was saying because he was like, well, look, yeah, the foot, the foot hurts, clearly. But I've rested it. It hasn't really got any better. So I guess I just play through it. So he seems like he's a bit lost um and then he was going to come and play in Canada but he's not doing that now um uh, yeah if you've got an injury that really the only way to heal it is to sort of get off it for months on end well can Nadal do that at this stage in his career can he afford to just do take six months off and come back in midway through 2022 and like you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what the recommendation is. I don't even really know what's wrong with the foot, to be honest. It hurts. Um, but yeah, it, it looks, it well, it looked really quite bad in the first match. Um, and it looked very uncomfortable in the second match. There was a little bit of hobbling and moving quite gingerly. Um, but I was sort of surprised that he was still playing. I'm not surprised he pulled out of Canada. But yeah, it's not, um, yeah, it's not, it's not positive, I'm afraid. It's not, is it? I mean, Federer... What what will he do from here? We don't know. The news was the knee was cited as the reason he didn't go to Tokyo. He's now. What do we get from Federer when he comes back? It's best of five sets. It's going to be so difficult, and he's not playing enough. And and Djokovic, I think 
I'm really interested to see Djokovic at the US Open. Yes, I'd still have him as favourite going in because, again, it comes best of five sets. But how much has the Olympics taken out of him? I actually think it's very good of him, good for him not to play Cincinnati. I think... I think he needs the time away. I think the US Open, there's going to be so much pressure on talk because can you imagine now, the Olympics has gone, this is about getting the calendar year slam. There's going to be so much pressure, so much talk, everyone wanting to speak to him about it, everyone asking about the Olympics. And it's just, I think the best thing he could have done is just step away and be with the family and take that time, whatever he wants to do in that time and come back as fresh as he can be. But we'll find out how much it's taken out of him playing as he has done and coming through Tokyo and everything he went through there and then going to Flushing Meadows. But I just think he is more vulnerable than ever over the best of three because you've got more of these players with confidence. A bit like Serena Williams a few years ago. You started getting these big hitters coming through and they didn't fear her. They thought, well, I can come out here and whack the ball and have an amazing match and come out on top. And you start losing a little bit of the fear and, and maybe, maybe on the best of three set, for, three set format, that is something that's creeping in with some of the players because you know these, these are confident young guys coming through saying well I can do it so I, I don't know it, it just feels like this could I mean, the, the big thing to happen is for one of them to beat Djokovic in the final of a Grand Slam and then for me it's they've they've handed it over and the baton has been exchanged that's that's the one thing left to be done yes it is the one thing left to be done but I think it feels sort of further away than ever, doesn't it? With Sitspas getting to two sets and still not being able to do it, playing the way that he was doing in um, at Roland Garros. So, but that was yeah. the first time. I mean, if Sitspas got to the final of the US Open again, he's been in that situation now, hasn't he? He's been in a Grand Slam final, coped with everything that goes just with being in a Grand Slam final. He's faced Djokovic, so maybe the second time round, he's learnt from being in that position before. And, and Medvedev got absolutely crushed in Australia at the start of the year. But then he took Nadal to five at the US Open the year before. So, you know, the more experienced these guys get. And Dominic Team, I don't know, do we know if he's going to be ready for the US Open? I know the splints come off and he's got a racket back in his hand, but is he going to be able to defend his title? So, I, and, and Sasha Zverev, I mean, he must be brimming full of confidence now. He's an Olympic gold medalist. So I, I just... They've got more confidence. They've got more belief. Could that ultimately? I, I think the US Open is going to be fascinating. I think it's going to be absolutely. I know we've still got we've still got Rogers Cup in Cincinnati, but I think it's going to be fascinating to see to see how that pans out. And we haven't even spoken about the women because what have we got? Montreal at the same time. Arena yes. Sabalenka, the top seed. Bianca mm -hmm. Andreescu with a new coach on board uh, as the second seed. And again, as you always say with Andreescu, it's well if she's fit. Yeah, I mean, that that's the question, isn't it? Um, she won her match uh, last night in three sets um, against Harriet Dart. Um, was was up against it. It was a really good match, actually. Really, really high level. Um, you just, yeah, just not really sure with Andrescu. I mean, look, she turned up to Miami and reached the final. She, <laughs> she's uh, she's amazing on a hard court. Like, absolutely amazing. Um, I, yeah, the, I think the biggest thing, and I know, I know it's a bit... Maybe it's a bit harsh. Maybe it's not the biggest thing, but one of the key things that I want to see in women's tennis over the next couple of years is Osaka and Andrescu both playing well, both fit and healthy, both happy to be out competing on a hard court because that would be absolutely incredible. Imagine if that was the final of the US Open with both of them oh, playing be amazing. well. It would just be absolutely incredible. They are the two best hard quarters by wow. a country mile, a country mile. Um, and yeah, we don't know what they would do against each other.
that'd be incredible, wouldn't it? If we could have them both in a really good place physically and mentally against each other. Do you think, I know this starts question marks, that the, the WTA finals, do you think they'll be able to make that happen or do you think it's too complicated with Asia being too difficult and the calendar being as the calendar is? Oh, I mean, you just can't really guess, can you? I heard they were talking about trying to move it. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows? Indian Wells is going ahead, so that Yay. is exciting for that time of the year because it was pretty decimated on the WTA tour last year. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with the Australian Open? The noises coming out of there aren't particularly positive either. So I heard probably... it might be played in the Middle East. Yeah, they could move it, but then is that the Australian Open? I don't know. It's weird. Uh, working with a lot of people from Australia and New Zealand in Tokyo... You know, the big thing for them, we have to... Yes, I was trying to work out which papers I needed to get back into the UK and what I had to do and all this kind of thing. They were going straight back to quarantine hotels. So the people who had made their way over from New Zealand had, say, two weeks, or some of them are staying through the Paralympics for seven weeks, but they know when they get back, they'll just be put on a bus, put in a quarantine hotel, and that'll be two... And that's still happening. So when you think... Oh, it's still going to be happening for for quite a while, well through to the Australian Open, it seems. I think though that one of the big things for me these last few weeks was getting together people from all over the world. It's been such a, a tough 18 months or so for everyone, but just to meet up for people from New Zealand, Australia, find out how things have been, where they are, learn about their sports, just talk to people, just get that gathering. Because we haven't really been able to do that, have we? We've kind of been mm. in our own bubble, in our own country. So just to be to be in a room spending time when we got the bus in to work with people from all over the world, find out how have things been for them during COVID. As freelance journalists, how has work been? How difficult has it been? Some of these guys, commentary isn't their first job. They have a, another job, but this is either their passion or they used to. this used to be their sport sort of 30 years ago or so. And just to hear what they've been through with the pandemic and their determination to, to be in Tokyo, whatever they had to face going back, just to be there I have to say it was inc- it was quite enlightening as well just to hear everyone's stories and the fact that the Olympics took place and everyone could get together I think was really special um, for everyone to be there and just to hear the passion I could talk with passion about tennis and I got into lots of football conversations with people and people talking with passion about their sport everyone we talked about this with tennis when it was one of the first sports to come back during the pandemic and it's a global sport and how that happened I have to say for me, just everyone coming together and just hearing from everyone about where they've been about their sports was was amazing. And it just, yeah, it makes you smile, doesn't it? And I know we, we had that conversation in the last pod about, you know, tennis being an Olympic sport and you want it to stay, I want it to stay. I can see the arguments for and against, but it's just to see the, the joy that people got, whether they were watching it, competing it, winning in a medal was, was amazing. But as we said at the start, Tennis doesn't stop in like a few hours time. You're back at it. I'll be, I'll be, I, I, well, I would say I'll be watching, but I won't be. I might be asleep. <laughs> I'll keep you updated. <laughs> yeah. The whole point is I'm trying to catch up on some sleep. So I might not be, but you've got to keep me updated. People are going to get in touch, whether they're going to give the award now to Barty or Krejcikova for player of the year. That's if it was awarded as you listen to this pod, if it was awarded. What if Sabalenka came and won the US Open though, after the year she's had? No, it's. Mm-hmm. Do you think that goes above those two? No, I don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> what if Andre, What if Andreescu won the US Open again? Yeah, it still doesn't, does it? Really? That's no, the thing. I think we've got our short list of two. Two. 
It's just, it's just, I would award it now. So I, I would just want the voting to stop. So, yeah, if yeah, people let us know which which side of the the coin you fall down on, and you probably have to get some sleep before work. And yeah. I'm gonna go into the swimming pool. Oh, Yay! Oh, <laughs> Enjoy. I will do speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.